So you were talking about a not food heist before. You yeah. didn't give me the details, but you scared me. <laughs> yeah, I got this one, I think, today. Yes. And it is really, if anything, more of a bad story idea than a food heist. Okay. Trigger warning, apparently, turtles. Trigger warning for people who love tortoises. Okay. We cannot say that no tortoises were harmed in the making of this story because seven tortoises were found dead in Devon, which is a county in the south of England. Yep. These were Aldabra giant tortoises, one of the most endangered tortoise species. And the guy who sent it to me was like, this, you know, his theory is that it was a food heist. I did, you know, all the research that it's possible to do without, like, getting flagged by the FBI for being unhelpfully interested in dead tortoises. As far as I can tell, these tortoises were not eaten. Yeah, that's how I sat down (laughs) for the podcast today, got out my pages, and Dan looked at me and said, well... Turtles weren't eaten, so I don't think it's a food heist. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, that's his Um, first thing he says to me all day. Yeah, this is the point our friendship has reached. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, two tortoises were found, and then a couple days later, five more were found. And this was just a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. as of this filming, mid-January. And so they think that these tortoises were maybe five years old. That they had been raised in captivity based on how unhealthy the bodies were. Like, (laughs) you don't want to raise, like, Aldabra tortoises in England. So they need a different climate. They need different Probably pyramiding. We have a tortoise that my son, Dallin, the middle son, loves Mm -hmm. turtles of all type. Just he's fixated on them since before he could talk. When we went to buy plushies, he would grab the turtle. And since then, you know, he has quite the plushie collection. So we got him a tortoise because the tortoise is way easier to take care of than the turtle. Yeah. But one of the things you have to be really careful of, and fortunately we had good friends who know their way around reptiles, is you have to do stuff with the humidity, getting it just right, or their shells will form pyramids rather than Mm. a smooth shell. And you can often see a tortoise that, you know, it's not always a sign they were taken care of poorly because sometimes it just happens. But if you see a tortoise that has geometric shapes on its shell sprouting out as if it's, you know, some elder deep Mm -hmm. creature that is masquerading as a tortoise, well, that's called pyramiding. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So all the tortoises I see in zoos Mm -hmm. just live in weird humid conditions. Not necessarily that they're unhealthy, yeah. but that the humidity is the such hum- that it's they causing... They think it's humidity, particularly as a baby, because a lot of these are desert tortoises. Yeah. And so they need to be able to get where it's humid as a baby, like in a hole, and then get out to non-humidity. My wife knows way more because she's the one that really made sure, but Sheldon, his tortoise, doesn't have any pyramiding. So whatever the people told us to do, we did. <laughs> and it worked. But even looking at the research, they're like, sometimes you do this stuff and it just doesn't even work. But as long as it's like mild pyramiding, it doesn't even really, the tortoise doesn't even notice. It just has like, you know, a sweet deck on its back or whatever. Nice. Well, these tortoises, they did have deformed shells. Mm -hmm. They think that they also had rickets, Mm. which is sad. I do want to read this paragraph to you because it's a single sentence. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe Donald Trump composed the middle part of this sentence. Okay. Because it is... Chasing squirrels the whole time. Okay, and his side job of <laughs> his reporting side job in Devon. as British tortoise mm. journalist. Yes, 
This is a quote from some turtle expert that they quoted in the Guardian article. It does tend to point to someone who got these animals and found them very difficult. But what is really strange, generally speaking, even in the condition they're in, which was not good, it's surprising that nobody had been putting feelers out to say, hey, we've got these lovely animals, can anyone take them, and finds an institution or informed private individual with resources to rehabilitate them. That is sad. Yeah, that they didn't it is do sad. That. But see, I'm a bad person. Okay. And so I am immediately imagining the, like, Guy Ritchie movie of someone trying to raise extremely rare endangered turtles so they can sell them for exorbitant amounts of money and being just absolutely horrible at it. And so these turtles were dumped unceremoniously because they had to get rid of them without being seen. I think that movie's not going to be a very good movie oh, for multiple reasons. It would be an reasons. amazing movie, but no one would watch it. No, because... here's the thing. Tortoises are slow and they grow slowly, right? <laughs> so this shenanigans and hijinks of having exotic pets with tortoises doesn't work the same way as it might with monkeys, where suddenly there's action on the screen and someone's very much in over their head and the monkeys are, you know, doing all kinds of things to tear down the house and, you know, starting the burners on fire. The tortoises are sitting there. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm not very good at taking care of this tortoise. I noticed after six months of it sitting there. Tortoise makes the perfect straight man. Uh Uh-huh. But now you're talking about monkeys and I'm imagining like a Guy Ritchie remake of BJ and the Bear. And that sounds really awesome too. Can I read you this? Uh, yes, you they, can. They asked, there were, of course, no witnesses. Nobody knows where the turtles came from or how mm-hmm. they got there. But one dog walker who did not want to be named said, I saw it on the news. It's so strange. We haven't seen anything unusual and come here three or four times a week. There is a lot of fly tipping. There's a washing machine in the woods. So that guy also had a stroke halfway through his testimony. Like, I'm sure that's a very British thing. And our British listeners... Please tell me what fly tipping is and why the washing machine in the woods connects to this. The washing machine makes sense. What? I'm going to assume that fly tipping is some sort of slang like dumping for dumping, garbage. right? Because it's like this is a common place for people to dump things. Someone dumped the turtles. Also, I saw a washing machine. Those do connect as long as fly tipping. As long as fly tipping means, means yeah. illegally dumping trash. Yes. That makes sense, but I dearly hope it's not true. Okay. Because I just like to imagine some journalist trying to figure out, hey, did you know some turtles died over there? And the guy's like, yeah, I believe it. I saw a washing machine over there once. <laughs> it is a fairly <laughs> random person to just go interview. Person on the street, what do you think yeah. of this news story you already heard about? Oh, and he didn't want to be identified either. Yes. So he's mm-hmm. like, ah, well, don't tell anyone that I'm the one who saw it, but there was a washing machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fly tipping does sound like... British slang sort of thing. It's not that, you know. It does sound like it's got to be slang. Yeah. My mind, of course, because I grew up in the Mm -hmm. Mountain West, went to cow tipping. Okay. But you can't go sneak out into a field at night and knock flies over. Yeah. So you couldn't knock washing machines over. So maybe that's what they're doing. (laughs) Someone has to go set it back up for them so they can knock it back over. There's a lot of fly tipping. I saw a washing machine in the woods. What does that have to do with it? Well... The washing machine was on its side. Ah, this all makes sense now. I don't know where we've gone, Dan. This isn't a food heist. This is just a weird... Yeah, this is just a weird story. I guess weird news story fits in the larger umbrella. (laughs) If we posit that some portion of these turtles was eaten, 
I mean, then yes. By bacteria, does that count? <laughs> I mean, that all food rotting is now in the category of food heists. Mm. That gets back to your uh, any murder is a food heist if you try hard enough. Uh, comment. <laughs> if you're not a quitter. Mm-hmm. Let's leave this topic before Let's we get ourselves into more topic. trouble. Is it too topical to talk Hugo Awards? Is that something that's just like too oh, rot, too political? Too politically fraught. Because I just got interviewed by a news oh, reporter really? about that. So okay. you just brought the thought to my mind. We could. I don't know much? if there's a lot to say about it. Yeah. Other than, can everyone please stop just rolling over and doing what China tells you to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those who don't know, there are irregularities with the Hugo Awards this year. And maybe we won't dip into it if yeah. you're not interested. But go check out the news stories. Neil Gaiman's been talking about it, and there's a lot of really good... Articles linked on file 770 that can point you toward what the controversy is this time. There always is. There's always a controversy. What I want to say about it Mm -hmm. is just that, can the conversation please be about stop caving to fascist pressure Mm -hmm. instead of about this person should have gotten a Hugo and they didn't. Plenty of people should have gotten Hugos and didn't. I don't feel like that's the See? direction this particular conversation needs to go. I think there's more nuance here, though. I think there's more nuance. Okay. Maybe. So number one, the integrity of the awards is really important. Yes. So discussing, hey, the Hugo Awards, what's special about it is that it's neither a juried award nor a straight-up popularity contest fan vote. I mean, all awards are a, a popularity contest with mm-hmm. a specific set, but it's it's like halfway between a juried award and something that's just who has the most bots and can click the button on the internet the most to get the most votes. Mm-hmm. And it actually, I like it a lot for that reason. It's like the Academy Award, where there's a voting body, but anyone who cares enough to jump through the hoops and either go to the convention or pay a little money can become part of that voting body, which I think is a really interesting way to have an award. And I think because of that, the award belongs to the fandom. Mm -hmm. And so having the committee, what happened if those don't know, is the committee overrode the fandom's nominations in several categories without explanation and without warning. We didn't find out about it till months after the awards came out and made certain things that were highly fan-voted they just weren't allowed yeah. on the ballot. Declared ineligible. Declared well, and ineligible. in some cases, mm-hmm. in at least one case, looking mm-hmm. at the data, one of them was declared ineligible after the first round of voting. So like mid-process. Yes. It's so it's really incredibly sketchy. shady mm-hmm. and certainly corrupt in some capacity. Yeah. But I mean, I think there is nuance here, like worth talking about. One is this idea that it is our award. It's really mm-hmm. important that our will got overridden. So yes, the China part is a big deal about this, but I think the will of the voting block getting overridden is an equally big part, and I don't think it should be dismissed. You're right. Mm-hmm. And it was not my intention to dismiss that aspect yeah. of it. And I'm going to use one of the examples just because I've read her work. Sharon yeah. Zhao, mm-hmm. she was nominated in one of the categories. I believe it was... The what's it, is it the lodestone the one that used to be yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which you and I have both lost oh no that's the the lodestone is the, 
a different one from the different one. different from the former Campbell. I can't remember what they. Uh, there's a lodestone. There's another one. I thought the yeah. other one was the former Campbell. Okay. Either yeah. way, mm-hmm. she's one of these that was summarily disqualified, yes. despite being very popular and a very good writer. Like I said, I've read her work. She's excellent. A front runner. Yeah. Right. I think certainly a front runner. I was looking at the data. One of the top nominees, if not the top nominee. Mm-hmm. Also, someone who is incredibly vocally critical of China, yeah. which is the leading theory of why mm-hmm. she was disqualified because the Hugos took place in China. Yes. That's a key part of this conversation. And so, yes, you're right. It is bad that this mm-hmm. pressure was put on the Hugo committee. Yes. It is bad that they caved to it. It is bad that the will of the voters was ignored. I guess what I'm saying is, Regardless of how deserving Sharon might be, mm-hmm. I don't feel like our conversation should be on, well, do we go back and give her an award? I think you can just extend eligibility for these. Yeah. It's totally, that's that I think is an easy answer. Mm-hmm. Just extend the eligibility of everybody who is, you know, maybe just like for everyone last year, right? If we can't trust the awards, it's like, all right, we'll leave the awards that we're given. Mm-hmm. Everyone who didn't win is eligible for next year. Anybody. But regardless, that's... For the same work? What's that? Eligible yeah. for the same yeah, work? Yeah, the works from 2023 are also eligible for the 2024 voting okay. round. I think would be an easy way to do this. But I do also think, like, when I heard that it happened, I'm like... <clears throat> You know, we were worried about this a little bit. Not this specifically, but as soon as the Hugos were announced in China, everyone's like, how okay are we with this? Is it going to be safe? Are there going to be problems? And, you know, it's hard for me. And this might be getting into the, you know, I don't want to misspeak, but it's hard for me to point at anybody who was involved and say, you shouldn't have caved. I don't know if China came to them and said, we're going to execute your family unless you do this. Probably didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Probably from everything we've seen, the people involved said there were no official communications from China. Well, yeah, that yeah. there's lots of wiggle room in that statement. Four of them, I believe, live in the States and three or four of them live in China. But who knows? Like, maybe they're just like, we don't want to upset them. And it's like you say, let's stop tiptoeing around China yeah. and things like that. But I can't point at these people and say that for sure they weren't told we will vanish you unless you do this. In that case, they made the right choice. Yeah. Absolutely made the right choice. And we as a community need to be like, all right, we can't have these awards Mm -hmm. taking place in places where that could happen. Put ourselves into a situation where this kind of undue pressure becomes meaningful and dangerous. And I'm thinking of the most extreme example possible, which probably didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But I have heard of similar things happening. And so my answer is not, we shouldn't cave to China. Like, there's a couple people involved that I'm reading their comments back, and they are just belligerent jerks about this whole Mm. thing. So I'm not empathizing on the committee side. Not empathizing with them very much at all. But I do think we need to reform the award and have some better processes in place. But my attention isn't necessarily on the committee as much as everyone else's is because of that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and maybe this person who's being belligerent, they're like, yeah, we know you have a family member in China. Don't say anything. I mean, who knows, right? I don't know. Could be. Yeah. So I want the Hugo Award to be a really good award. Because of that reason that I like that it belongs to the fandom. And so the Hugo Award's important to me. 
That said, people are like, the integrity of the Hugo Award's been compromised. It absolutely had. I gave a soundbite in my interview today that said, yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. the integrity has been compromised. But the nice thing about the Hugo is we find out. Yeah. We know have nothing about the inner workings of the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. right? Somebody does, but the public in general doesn't find out what's going on. With the Hugos, even if they tried to fuzz the numbers and things like that, we get the raw statistics. We can put pieces together. We know how many people were voted, or we can at least, there's some data analysis mm-hmm. going on that can say, there's holes in this data. Yeah. That's one of the strengths of the Hugo Award. That's why it's actually an award that has, like, this is compromised integrity, but I still think it has more integrity than a lot of awards because, because we can find it. show all their work. They're yeah. very transparent about yeah. that. And that's one of the great things about it mm-hmm. is that we as a community can change the rules in the way that's administered to make sure that things like this don't happen anymore. And that's to the strength of the award. When something happens to a lot of other awards given by who knows who they are, like who's the Hollywood foreign press? I still don't even quite know, <laughs> right? That's the Golden Globes. And, you know, if there's a controversy, it all takes place behind closed doors what the fix is going to be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yes, lots of controversy with the Hugos, but I mean, it's a good award. It walks that line really well. And so it's worth fighting for, I guess is what I'm saying. I agree. We've now wasted a lot of our time. We have wasted a lot of time. Should we just keep talking about awards? (laughs) About awards? Uh Um, Uh-oh. Oscar nominations. I was wondering, do we bring up, because there's controversy there with Barbie. There is. And I will admit that it is funny. Mm-hmm. That a movie specifically about gender roles, yes, the guy gets nominated and the woman doesn't. But at the same time, she's in a category of women. She wasn't competing with men for best actress. Mm-hmm. And a woman did get nominated. And a woman did. America yeah. Ferreira got nominated. Greta Gerwig did not for director, and that is a every all-comers category. Yeah. But again, I don't know. Maybe this is just, you know... The depression's really bad these last few weeks, and so I'm a very contrarian person. Mm-hmm. I feel like all the blow up over the Barbie nominations is hiding what is for me the real story, which is the lady from Killers of the Flower Moon. She gave a fantastic performance. Mm-hmm. She's the first Native woman nominated for Best Actress, like ever. This feels like a case where we should be celebrating the cool thing that happened instead of spinning wild conspiracy theories about something else that we didn't like. Well, I don't feel qualified to speak about the Oscars because I haven't seen enough of the films nominated. Yeah. Wasn't a good film viewing year for me. (laughs) And so, like, I can't speak Mm -hmm. to it. I can speak to the fact that I thought Margot Robbie did a fantastic job and that that movie was very well directed. But other than that, I haven't seen a lot of the competition. So Yeah, I looked at the list of Uh Best Picture nominees, and actually Killers of the Flower Moon is the only one I've seen. I haven't even seen Barbie yet, although I would like to. Yeah. Every time we have your theater, my kids are like, no, we don't want to watch Barbie, because I have two teenage boys, and they don't want to watch it. Alas, for me. I don't pay a lot of attention to the Oscars that much. It's not my industry, and I often haven't seen a lot of the films. Mm -hmm. And that's more true now, I feel, than it was before because the way that things are happening with the Oscars is I feel like there's a lot more, because of the streaming services, diversification of 
Oscar caliber movies that are appearing in small runs and on the streaming services. Mm -hmm. And so rather than like each studio having its Oscar bait movie that you can kind of go watch and be like, all right, here are the five. I know what the Oscar bait movies are. There's 50. And most of them, the real cinephiles know who they are, but I don't. And they're probably great films, but there's just so many of them now. Yeah. There's so many. Mm -hmm. I continue to be upset that, you know, spec fit categories get overlooked constantly. Who was it? Robert Downey Jr. and Rob Lowe on Rob Lowe's little podcast. They had a whole conversation about Downey Jr. He thinks he absolutely would have been nominated for Tony Stark if it had not been a superhero movie. He's like, that was a great performance. I gave it my all. Uh That was good acting. But because it was a superhero movie, got completely ignored. Yeah. There may be some truth to that. I mean, I definitely think he was never in the running. And that's Mm -hmm. the conversation. But then we get into, like, I haven't been nominated for a Hugo ever since my popularity took off. It was very regular during the early days of my career, as it's actually pretty common. You're more likely to be nominated for awards in books when you're new. And it makes perfect sense. Like, who is this person? A lot more people go figure out who that is and things like that. I've never really felt bitter about that, though, Mm -hmm. because, like, an award is a giving community. It's who they're reading. The Hugos tend to be pretty good, but they've skewed much more literary in the years Mm -hmm. since. Like, the Hugos started very non-literary back in the 50s and stayed somewhat non-literary with nebulous skewing literary through, like, the 80s and 90s. Bujold was still winning a ton back in the 90s. And, you know, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, won in early 2000s. George was consistently, you know, not getting nominated and winning in the smaller fiction categories, George Martin. And then after some, the rigmarole that we won't even get into that ended in 2016, Hugo's just kind of decided to go, the voting block decided to go way more literary Mm -hmm. and kind of focus on works that are a little, like the films, right? The works that get less attention from the mass public, but are kind of author's books that when you read it, you're like really impressed by the styling and things like this. And I mean, that's not to say that Nora isn't, N.K. Jemison isn't widely popular, but doing all this literary stuff with the forms. And that's a perfectly valid way to give an award out. And it is different from what I normally do. I've done it occasionally, but I'm like, well, what the award is has skewed a different direction. Doesn't mean it's a bad award, just means that it doesn't really. Well, like you said, Mm -hmm. it's very much a kind of the fandom is what chooses. And right now that's what they are choosing. And I think that that's totally good. I feel like you and I, Mm -hmm. maybe me in particular, are in this weird space where... Mm -hmm. I have one Hugo. You have, what, three? Two. Two? Mm -hmm. And so, like, on one hand, I do feel like I can talk about it Mm -hmm. without looking jealous. Yeah. Right? I'm not the bitter guy who's never won one. Yep. Complaining about the process. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I don't want to come across as, well, I got mine. I don't care anymore. Yeah. And so I never really know what to publicly say about the many, many controversies and things going on with Hugos. I will say that I do, like, as you said, science fiction fantasy doesn't get the attention from the Academy. And there is part of me that's sad about that, right? Mm -hmm. There is part of me that's like, you know, I wish we had a better way in media criticism to talk about commercially viable things. 
And it always feels like when Barbie gets a nomination, it's a bone thrown to those of us who are like, mm-hmm. this was a really good science fiction story. And they're like, okay, you can have some nominations. It yeah. always feels that way. And, you know, so I can see both sides. I can see, you know, the Hugo Awards going more literary, meaning that it's nominating fewer of the things that I naturally read. I can feel a little sad about that because, you know, Terry Pratchett never won a Hugo. I think he's the greatest fantasy writer of our generation. And he never won one because it's comedy. And the same reason, comedies don't win Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. And this isn't like there's some cabal or something. We as a community, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the World Fantasy Awards, which skew very literary. Yeah. It has a different group of judges every year. It's a juried award. And if you look at the very popular fiction writers who are put on the jury, which they regularly do, they skew very literary in their reading for the award too because we have a mindset of this is what earns awards. Mm -hmm. This is what Oscar bait is. This is what – and it's like the whole community, we have this sense. And I'm – like I said, I don't know if that's bad or good, but there is part of me It's like, wow, we don't really acknowledge something that's really good at doing Mm -hmm. what it's trying to do. And no matter how good it would be, it just doesn't – considered yeah there is that one of the places where i see this a lot mm-hmm. maybe even more than science fiction fantasy is in horror yeah as an example uh the horror movie barbarian from a couple mm-hmm. years ago one of the smartest most well-written screenplays i have ever come across the things that that movie was doing and the skill with which it did them was incredible but it's a slasher horror movie it was ignored by everything, of course, because why would we possibly consider a horror movie for anything? Yep. Though, of course, the solution to this is generally start your own award. Yeah. That's where the Hugo Awards came from, was that <laughs> the National Book Awards and things like this weren't nominating science fiction fantasy, so let's give our own award. Over time, it gains prestige and basically becomes the primary and most prestigious award in sci-fi fantasy. So therefore, everyone voting for is like, ooh. It's the most prestigious award. I better skew literary. And we're kind of back where we were. But it's more interesting to me than a problem, if that makes sense. Mm. Because I don't know if it has a solution other than, yeah. That's the thing with the Hugos is Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can ever look back at a time when everyone was happy with them. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like they've always been scandalous to some degree and just in different directions and with different outcomes and so yeah whatever is going on right now Uh we look towards the future and 10 years from now it will be a completely different problem and so yeah that's just kind of a reflection of who we are which is kind Uh of what the awards are anyway so there you go how's that ben (laughs) 